Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 11. The Bible said, And I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in white linen, or clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. He cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help us these next few moments. God, I appreciate every testimony that's been given, the Sunday school hour, the singing, the offering time, Lord, the opportunity to give back to you, for you've been so good to us. And I pray now that you'll... Give us liberty these next few moments. Touch our, our mind, touch our heart this morning. And I pray that you'll be glorified and magnified. Speak to souls. If there's somebody here lost, I pray that they'll get under deep Holy Ghost conviction and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And we'll give you the glory and the honor for we do love you. And we ask it in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated tonight or this morning. I want to preach a few minutes on this subject, on the second second coming of Jesus Christ. The second coming of Jesus Christ. We know that uh, the rapture could happen at any moment. First Thessalonians chapter number four and verse number 13, Paul said, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Thank God we have hope in this hour. It's that blessed hope that ta- uh, Paul spoke about in Titus chapter two and verse number 13 when he said, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus spoke about that hope in John chapter number 14 and verse number 2 when he said, in my Father's house are many mansions and if it were not so I would have told you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. So we believe in the rapture of the church. We believe the rapture could happen at any moment. Paul said in verse number 15 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with a trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds in the air to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord wherefore he said comfort one another with these words and I want to tell you, I don't know anything that's more comforting to my heart in this moment, in this hour that we're living in, to know that in the next heartbeat or the next breath or the next twinkling of an eye, we could be standing in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and our loved ones. Amen. That lifts my spirit and encourages my heart. And as the psalm that said in Psalms 121 and verse number one, he said, I lift mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. 
Lord, I want to tell you this morning, I've lifted my eyes unto the holy hills of Zion this morning, knowing that this could be the hour and this could be the day when the church is called away. And as the songwriter said, some golden day break, Jesus is coming again. You believe that? Well, I want to say not only do we believe in the rapture of the church, but here in our text this morning, we have record of the second coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. Now, I want to tell you it's important, friend, that we believe this doctrine because there are more than eight times as many references to the second coming of Christ in the New Testament as there is to his first coming. Amen? You see, one writer even said this, that there's over 1,845 different references that refer in the New Testament to Jesus coming again. There's 17 Old Testament books that talk about the second coming of Christ and 23 of the 27 New Testament books all talk about the second coming of Christ. My friend, that's seven chapters for every 10 chapters in the New Testament and it's one verse for every 30 verses in the New Testament. Even our Lord spoke about his second coming over 21 different times in the word of God. He talked about Jesus coming again. I want to say he is coming, friend. Jesus preached about his coming and so we ought to preach about his coming. And I was reading this chapter the other day in preparation for another sermon and I thought about chapter number 19 because in chapter 19 you basically got three things. It opens up in the first 10 verses and it talks about beauty, amen. There's the beauty of worship in the first six verses and then there's the beauty of a wedding in verses seven down through verse number 10. I'll tell you, listen, there's two great suppers in this chapter. There's the marriage supper of the Lamb and there's the supper of the great God. And friend, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you need to get ready. You need to make sure you're going to that first supper and that you don't be found left behind for that last supper, amen? But I wanna tell you, listen, there's beauty in this chapter. And then in our text, there's battle, amen? You see, this is not the last battle of the Bible, but it is by far the bloodiest battle in all the annals of history. The Bible talks about the battle that's going to take place. The vision of Armageddon is seen in chapter 14, but it's given here in chapter 19. I wanna tell you, the word of God says that in this battle, the blood is gonna flow to the horse's bridle. It's gonna be a bloody battle. It's gonna be far worse than anything that the world has ever seen. And then there are beasts in this chapter. As you get to the end of chapter number 19, there's the beast that comes up out of the sea. There's the beast that comes up out of the earth here. It's the false prophet and the antichrist. Both are chunked in the lake of fire in verse number verse number 20. And then in chapter 20, thank God the devil is put on the chain gang. Amen. I'll tell you, we are on the winning side. Amen. And when Jesus comes, he's going to rid this world of the false prophet. He's going to rid this world of the antichrist. And he's going to lock the devil up for 1,000 years. Can you imagine living on earth for 1,000 years? And Brother Allen, there is no devil. There's no Lucifer. There's no Satan. There's no tempter. I'm telling you, that's going to be a millennial age. Isn't that right? All this happens when Jesus comes again. 
And this morning, I don't think there's any way uh, to really appreciate the 19th chapter without really thinking about all that John has seen and written and heard. Uh, Brother Allen's been teaching on it in detail every week. Uh, and I don't know about you, uh, uh, but I've got something out of every single lesson. Uh, in fact, even this morning as he was talking about those two witnesses, uh, uh, questions was coming to my own mind uh, uh, that I would like to have answers to. Uh, but isn't that just like our God? Uh, uh, listen, he's bigger than what we are. You know, I'm glad I've got a God this morning uh, that I can't figure out everything he knows. Uh, I can't figure out everything he's doing. He's wiser than what we are. His ways are greater than what our ways are, but I can always trust him, amen, knowing that he knows what is best. Uh, and when we go back uh, and you think about where John has brought us to, it sets the atmosphere for what's about to take place in chapter 19. And and in this passage this morning, uh, you see when Jesus comes, uh, uh, the stage uh, is going to be set, amen? You see the devil and the antichrist uh, and the false prophet, you know what? They're nothing more than puppets on the string, amen? Uh, listen, they're just nothing more than Larry, Moe, and Curly, if you wanna get right down to it. Uh, they think they're running this thing, uh, uh, but listen, God is in charge. Uh, he knows what's gonna happen, uh, and everything that happens in the last days, uh, will be according to his divine will and his divine purpose, amen. And the stage is set in chapter 19. John in chapter one gives a salutation. He talks about uh, uh, he talks about a vision of Christ. Uh, he goes to chapter two and three and he writes to the seven churches uh, and he talks about those seven churches. Uh, he's ushered into the throne of, of God in chapter four and stands uh, before uh, those 24 elders and, and those beasts as they worship uh, and they magnify God and John is in the spirit in chapter five. He's standing there weeping uh, because he believes no one is worthy to open the book but an elder taps him on the shoulder and says John look and he turns and in the midst of that throne he sees a lamb that's the lamb of God he calls him the lion of the tribe of Judah and he said he was worthy to open that book and he opens that book and he unlooses those six seals on this earth I'll tell you when he opens that book my friend the Bible said that all of creation in heaven and in earth and under the earth they magnify him and they say blessing and honor and power and majesty and might be unto our God forever and ever. All of heaven worship him. I want to tell you, if they can worship him this morning, we ought to worship him this morning. And he unlooses those seals. Oh, he sees that, that white horse, that bloodthirsty conqueror, the Antichrist, who has a bow, but he has no arrow. He sees the red horse of war and a bloodshed. He sees that black horse, uh, that black horse of famine, that pale horse uh, of death and a pestilence. Uh, he sees the souls under the altar that's been martyred for their faith uh, and writes about the great earthquake uh, and the sun uh, uh, turns uh, to black, uh, sack, as black as sackcloth of hair uh, and the moon turns to blood. He talks about the 144,000 witnesses, my friend, that preach the gospel, my friend, across this world. You know, if they can preach it in the tribulation, then we ought to be preaching it right now. Listen, we can't let the virus and we can't let the circumstances and we can't let the government keep us from giving the gospel out. If they can preach it in a time of tribulation, surely we can still preach it today. Amen. 
You see, the Great Commission takes no vacation. There is no delay. We must carry on. In chapter 7, he writes about that. In chapter 8, he writes about those seven trumpets that come out of that seven seal. He talks about a burning a mountain, a star that's going to fall out of heaven called Wormwood. Brother Allen talked about that. Turns a third part of this world, of the waters bitter, of the rivers of this world bitter. And he talks about in chapter 9, of those locusts coming up out of the, coming up out of the abyss there, bringing that first woe with the face of a man and the hair of a woman and the teeth of a lion and wings that sound like horses ready to run to battle with crowns on their head and shields, a breastplates of iron and the tail of a scorpion and the body of a horse. And for five five months, they torment men upon this earth. I'm telling you, it's a time like the world will have never seen before. And then there's another army of locusts that come out horsemen I mean uh, bringing that second uh, uh, woe in uh, and my friend they're going to come and God uh, is going to pour out his judgment and he's going to pour out his wrath uh, upon this earth hallelujah chapter 10 the little book that's sweet in his mouth but bitter in his belly you know the word of God is sweet but it's a message of judgment that's bitter Brother Allen talked about the two witnesses that'll be killed They'll preach, they'll be killed, they'll ascend back to heaven. As he said in chapter number 12, he talks about the woman, which is Israel, the dragon, which is Satan, the male child, which is Christ, the saved remnant, which is Israel. In chapter 13, the beast coming up out of the sea, who's the antichrist, the beast coming up out of the earth, which is the false prophet. In chapter number 14, he talks about the doom of Babylon, the doom of the anti. Christ. Uh, uh, listen, he talks about the 144,000 uh, uh, again, uh, uh, those Jewish witnesses uh, in chapter 15 and uh, chapter number 16. Uh, he talks about those seven bold judgments uh, that's going to be poured out uh, uh, toward the end of the tribulation period. Uh, I mean, we're talking about bulls. Uh, we're talking about the sea being turned to blood. Uh, we're talking about the rivers being turned to blood. Uh, we're talking about great heat uh, and darkness uh, and the Euphrates River going to be dried up and hell's going to fall out of the sky once again for a second time. I'm talking about it is going to be a tribulation period. Isn't that right? Seven, chapter 17 and 18. He dedicates it to the doom and the destruction of Babylon. He talks about how that She'll be brought to nothing. She'll be burned. And in one hour, she'll be destroyed. People will be afraid to enter. All of her activity will cease. Her riches are going to be brought to nothing. The system of this world, and we're talking about the fornicator of this world, it's all going to be brought down. I said all that to get you to look at one phrase in the first verse of this chapter. Notice what the Bible says in verse number one of chapter 19. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah. 
salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Do you realize uh, after all that has happened in this world, all the hell that's been unleashed, uh, this world has been turned upside down and inside out, but in spite of all the havoc and the judgment that's been brought on this earth uh, in heaven, do you know what's happening? Uh, People are still worshiping God. Uh, They're still praising God. Uh, They're still giving God the glory. They're still magnifying his name. I'm gonna tell you, it doesn't matter how bad it gets down here. God is still worthy to be praised. He is still on the throne. He ought to still be glorified. Hallelujah. And when the masks are gone and the mandates have ceased, if they ever do, and the vaccines have run out and people are tired of arguing, about which side of the aisle they're on. And this is nothing more than another piece of history. Do you realize God will still be on the throne? He'll still be God. We'll still be his people. Say, preacher, what are we gonna do? We're gonna do what we've always done. We're gonna keep on keeping on. We're gonna keep on pressing on. We're gonna keep on singing. We're gonna keep on preaching. We're gonna keep on serving God. You say, but what? What if this world gets darker? It's gonna get darker. But the darker this world gets, the brighter we can shine for God. It's not a time to roll over and to tuck tail and to run. Oh, no, friend. It's not even a time to be a martyr right now. It's a time to be a soldier. It's a time to stand up and to be counted worthy for God and for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, when fear comes, dismiss it by faith, knowing that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Hey, this world's gone crazy. This world's lost its mind, but I still got a sound mind because we got a sound book and we got a sound God and we got sound principles and we got sound truth and in a world that don't know if they're coming or going. I got news for them. I'm a-going, ain't you? I'm about to leave out of here. You're about to leave out of here. I feel good in my soul this morning because Jesus is coming and we're getting out of this world. Hallelujah. We're leaving. You say, preacher, it scares me. Then you need to get saved. But it don't scare me this morning. I'm ready to go. Amen. Now don't get me wrong, if I got cancer and they got a pill that lets you stay around a little bit longer, I'll take it. Don't y'all look so spiritual. You would too. But I'm telling you, as the songwriter said, when he calls, I'm gonna fly away. I'm ready to see Jesus, aren't you? I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to leave my loved ones. You don't want to leave them neither. And I want to serve God down here every day that I can. I believe there's a purpose in being here right now. And that purpose is to preach the gospel. I believe there's a purpose and that's to stand tall and to stand strong. I don't believe in beating our chest. I'm not talking about ego, being, an, being on an ego trip or anything like that. I'm just talking about, hey, if you're going to be a soldier, you got to stand. Why? Because the captain of our salvation, our 
general, our commander-in-chief. He's soon coming. And when he comes, I don't want to be hiding in a foxhole somewhere. I want to be on the front line, don't you? I want to be in the battle for the Lord and right. The battle is the Lord's. It's always been his. I want to stand for God, don't you? I want to be strong. I don't want to quit in the day of adversity. I just want to be faithful, don't you? I just want to keep on keeping on. I want to be like one of David's mighty men. I keep my hand cleaved to that sword and to keep pressing on. You say, but what if you die? I'd rather die in the battle. I'd rather die on the front line. I'd rather die doing what I'm doing right now as to live and to not to serve God. I'm telling you, it is worth it. Hallelujah. It's worth it because he's coming. He's coming and I've tore this sermon all to pieces but I want you to know it's still good, isn't it? He's coming. Jesus is coming. How about it this morning? I've never seen more sadder faces in the house of God than we see right now. But we talk about faith. We talk about joy in the midst of trouble. We talk about the God of the valley He's the God of the mountain. You say, but preacher, have you ever tried to smile through your tears? Sure, and I know it's hard, but I know there's grace for this race, amen? And I know that he'll not leave me nor forsake me. And I know that every time my heart's been broken and it's been shattered, he knew how to pick up the pieces and put it back together again. But I know it's not time to get to mully grubs. It's not time to feel sorry for ourselves. The truth is God's been better to us and we've had it easier than any generation that's ever lived and any nationality of people that's ever lived. Well, if anybody ought to be shouting, if anybody ought to be praising God, if anybody ought to be excited, it ought to be us. I'm telling you, God has paved an easy road for us. We've not had to face what others have had to face around this world. We ought to keep on worshiping God. Hallelujah. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Uh, you see, how do you... See, sometimes my flesh wants to do that. And I don't get four words out and God says, shut up. God ever told you shut up? You say, God don't talk to me that way. He does, you just don't listen. Don't feel... I, man, I mean, I'm going to get way off here. Don't sit around and feel sorry for yourself. Don't, put your violin up. Amen. Quit pulling your little sad wagon around and, and talking about how you ain't had it hard. I've not had it hard. Nobody's tried to cut my head off yet. I think I pastored a few people. If they could get by with it, they might have. You ain't been locked. We've not been locked up in prison. Man, we call, we call the sniffles a bad day. Am I telling the truth? I mean, listen, we, we've not had it rough. We've never had to sit around and wonder how we're going to feed our families or, or get another meal. Nobody here this morning has ever lived under a bridge to my knowledge. Listen, you've never had to worry about where you're going to, if you're going to have a pair of shoes or if you're going to have a, a pair of pants or a dress. We've never had to, to live like that. We've never been under communist rule. We've lived 
lived in a free country. We've toted a flag and a Bible all of our life. We've rode in air-conditioned vehicles at least part of our life, amen. And you know what? We've lived in sealed houses. We've slept on good beds. We've had climate control houses, amen. I mean, even as a kid, we had one old window unit when I was a kid. We got it when I was about 13 years old. I'm gonna tell you something. We thought we was in high cotton when we got a window unit, amen. We, got, we put it in the, in, the, in the living room and you could hang meat in the living room, Brother David. You remember those days? You could hang meat in the living room and you'd, have to, you'd burn up in the back of the house. And it was just great. We thought it was great. We've never had it rough. God's been good to us. And it may get rough. Do you know what persecution and hard times do for the people of God? It causes them to flourish. It advances the cause of Christ. It allows the word of God to spread and it brings revival. We've been wanting to have revival in our churches for a long time. We, we're, we're, we're sick of the apathy people looking at their watch at 12 o'clock we've been sick of people uh, you know as well as I do uh, people come to church and, and listen their minds on everything else the ball game and fishing and hunting and I'm not against all them things but I'm against uh, uh, your mind being on it in church amen you know that as well as I do people in this country not have time to pray not have time for revival God may just be setting the temperature and the atmosphere and pulling some things away from us uh, so that we We'll get on our face and really get down to what life really is all about. It's not about having all the abundance of things, but it's, listen, serving God, living for Jesus, and looking beyond this world to another world. I'm telling you, John said, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, amen, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. He's got five names in this text, Faithful and True. And the Bible said, listen, in this text, that he in righteousness, he doesn't judge and make war, and his eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns here's another when he had a name written that no man knew but himself and then the Bible said a little bit later on that he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords hey Jesus is coming but he's not coming my friend is a lowly carpenter his son he's coming back as the king immortal the king eternal the king invisible he's coming back as the king of kings and the lord of lords the king of the ages, the king of heaven and the king of hell and the king of the Jews. He's coming back as king. Hallelujah. He's coming back as my king. If you're saved, he's coming back as your king. And in those last days, John has told all about that he has seen. The seals, the trumpets, the bowls, all the judgment. John writes about the Antichrist, how that he formed a ten-nation confederacy, and how that he made a covenant with Israel and protected their land, and Satan, uh, is, he talks about him in heaven, uh, uh, how that he accuses the brethren and all the things that, uh, that goes on during the tribulation period. Babylon is rebuilt and becomes the capital, the Antichrist. Uh, but you know the story. He goes in, uh, listen, halfway into that tribulation period, abomination, desolation. He breaks the covenant with Israel. Uh, and listen, Israel is driven out of her homeland. Uh, and listen, he, he sets his image up uh, inside that temple to be worshiped. Uh, and in 
the latter part. Uh, uh, listen, the worship of Satan and the Antichrist is at full scale because earth dwellers out of fear have taken the mark of the beast, 666, uh, and they're worshiping him. Uh, and listen, uh, all of this now, he's went from a 10-nation confederacy to a global empire, a military genius, uh, a political genius he is, uh, uh, but he's not gonna outsmart God. Uh, but when that angel comes down and he dries up that river Euphrates, uh, that's always been the dividing line uh, in that Middle Eastern area uh, between the kings of the east and the kings of the west. Uh, but with it dried up, uh, I'm gonna tell you by the hundreds of thousands, uh, uh, they'll cross that Euphrates. Uh, uh, they'll come down in the Antichrist uh, uh, with his genius, uh, with all of his ability. Uh, listen, he will encourage the kings and the captains of this world uh, and convince them uh, that they can destroy the very son of God. Uh, and they'll go down to the valley of Jehoshaphat in the plains of Megiddo and they'll fill that valley full with the armies of this world ready to do battle in those days. It'll be formed so perfectly. The false prophet no doubt will perform miracles that will rally the troops. The Mediterranean Sea will be filled with fleets of submarines and ships and the bombers will darken the skies as they fly over scud missiles and nuclear warheads by the hundreds will be gathered together and the feet of horses will fill the valley ready to do battle. It'll look like an army that cannot be defeated. But I want to tell you far beyond this world, far beyond this galaxy, far beyond the Milky Way, far beyond the constellation of Orion and the star Rigel and the star Vegas, my friend, there's going to come a storm there's going to come a rolling my friend of dust and it's not going to be any dust but it's going to be gold dust as my friend an army greater than the army of this world I'm talking about an army that's glistening an army that is shining an army that is shouting will be coming my friend as the gates of glory lift up and the king of glory the captain of our salvation riding upon a stallion leading the mighty army of God makes his way back to this world to divide and to conquer it. Hallelujah. See, he owns this world. He owns it because he stood out on nothing and spoke it into existence. He owns it because he hung at Calvary and purchased it with his own blood. And he owns it because in the end he's gonna conquer the world. Defeat the armies. And I'm going to tell you, when Jesus comes, he'll not come trotting in. My friend, he'll come faster than the speed of light. 186,000 miles a second is the speed of light. But our Savior will come across that Milky Way galaxy faster than the speed of light more powerful than an atom bomb. He'll come back. Uh, I'm gonna tell you, I don't know what that stallion's gonna look like, but I believe his eyes, uh, just like our Savior, will be fiery ruby red. Uh, his nostrils will be flared back. Uh, I'm telling you, if you're moving faster than 186,000 miles per second, I'd blow your nostrils back just a little bit, wouldn't it? Amen. Uh, I'm gonna tell you, the feet of horses uh, uh, will be more powerful. It'll sound like, my friend, uh, a thousand thunders times 10,000 
thousand thunders and it'll roll across this galaxy, my friend, from one rim to the other as the Son of God makes his way down to this earth and down into that valley and before NASA can ever get them in view, before a Scud missile or before a nuclear missile could ever be launched, the Bible said that out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he shall smite the nations. He'll speak, my friend, and just like that, it's all going to be over with. They gathered there. They had their big super rally. They had their big time. Listen, but the devil deceived them. He'll annihilate them with just his very word. Hallelujah. The beast, the false prophet, the antichrist will be chunked in the lake of fire as the enemies are being destroyed at the second coming. You know, if you're not careful in your mind, you'll think that's so far away. But if the rapture took place today, it would only be seven years. Seven years. And this would be happening. Less than a decade, everything we read and preached about, everything Brother Allen's been teaching, do you realize everything he's been teaching for weeks could all take place between now and seven years from now. You know, if I was lost this morning, there is no way I'd leave this building lost. I would come running to this altar. You say, preacher, you're trying to scare me. No, I'm not. I'm trying to warn you this morning. But if I could scare you into getting saved, you better believe I'll scare you into getting saved. Because the things we're talking about, if you're not saved, they ought to scare you. They ought to scare you literally to death to think to be left behind, lost. You better have more than a church membership. Hey, child of God, if you're backslid this morning, you better get ready. Hey, some of you this morning, I wouldn't come to you unless the Lord told me. Hey, some of you this morning as you pastor, I want to tell you this. I don't, there, I don't know I don't know everything. I don't. And I'm, I'm not trying to play the Holy Spirit when I say this, but I think you'll agree with me on what I'm about to say. You don't look at people three times a week, week in and week out, year after year, and preach to them and get to know them and them get to know you and not know when some of them are starting to drift. God turns the light on for a pastor. I say, what well, you see me doing something? No, not that I know of. But I'll tell you, this is how it works. Go down through that church directory and start praying for somebody. Sometimes the Holy Ghost, just like that, you say, pray for them. They're not doing too good. I mean, they're out in deep dark. Doesn't mean they're out in deep dark gross sin. But they're not doing too good. They they missing too much church. You can pray for them. They're, they're kind of slipping. You know how I am when I hear that the first time? I think, oh, that's probably just me. That's what I always think. That's just me. I, I, I don't know if that's really the Lord. That's, that could just be, it could be the devil. But I don't think the devil tells you to pray for people. But I'll think that sometimes. And then the next day, go back down through that direct, directory and start praying. And the Lord say it again, same place, same person. And the third day, by the third day, I'm like, well, I know that's God. 
And this morning, your pastor don't know everything, but he knows sometimes when you've drifted. And I'm not beating up on you. I tell you, I've had it happen to me before. But I thank God for the Holy Spirit that every time I, I started drifting just a little bit, he grabbed a hold of me. He pulled me back over there. And I thank God for every time God had a pastor, a preacher, a man of God in my life that when I drift a little bit, he was not afraid and he loved me enough to tell me, hey, you're, you're drifting. I have went to people in love because I wouldn't want anybody to get out of church. I wouldn't want anybody to get away from God. And child of God, I'm telling you that this morning because we're nearing the end. Don't you get weary in this battle. Don't you let what happens on the news and what's happening around this world and what's happening on social media. Don't you let it get your eyes off the Lord. Don't let what liberal churches are doing in this hour sway you. It's never been an easier hour to quit than right now. There's more excuses and there's people that they'll pat you on the back and say, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to, I'm not looking for the approval of people. Because if you are, let me tell you something, you'll always find it. Do you know that? I could go out, I could go on social media right now and I could type something on there, whatever bogus, as crazy as it could be. Do you know that there's people out there that they're dumb enough to hit like on that? There's all, if, hey, if you're an idiot, you're not the only idiot. Is that right? I mean, even an idiot can figure out that they're not the only idiot. So when you put something out there that's idiotic, and 25 or 50 or 100 people hits like on that. Don't feel good about that. That just means that you just connected with 100 more idiots. Don't look at who did hit like. You ought to stop and think about who didn't. I don't know why I'm preaching that, but it needs to be preached, don't it? You got social media? Okay, don't ever put nothing stupid on there. Hey, you can get anybody to agree with you. We're not supposed to get man's approval. What about that book this morning? I'll tell you what that Word of God does to me. It wears me out. It really does. I'll think I'm doing good sometimes. And I'll think I'm, Brother Daniel, it's just the flesh, ain't it? I mean, I'd never come out and say I'm doing good, but you know the flesh will tell you, now you're doing okay. (laughs) And I'll start reading my Bible. I'm like, oh, I'm guilty right there. Man, I'm sure I'll come up short right there. That's how it is. That's good, isn't it? And I used to think as a young Christian, when am I going to read the Bible and pray and never get under conviction about nothing? When you're dead... And you get a brand new body. Because you know how what that's equivalent to? That's like rolling out of the bed in the morning time and going in there and looking at the mirror and say, man, I look great. 
I look, and if, if, don't need to do nothing. Oh, that ain't how that works. The mirror tells all. The mirror tells the truth. And so does the Word of God, the mirror of His Word.